Welcome to today's episode of the Jerry's World Podcast. On today's episode, I have my friend Jake Sosha back on today, and we have a number of topics to discuss. Welcome back, Jake. It's a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to be here again. Thanks for bringing me back for the third week on this podcast, and I'm excited once again. Of course. Of course, of course. You know, eventually, maybe permanent uh, guest host uh, of the Jerry's World podcast, maybe in your future, maybe, <laughs> potentially. We'll see how, we'll see. I mean, you know, it's a week by week basis. But uh, first topic at hand of today's episode is a preview of Championship Sunday with the NFC Championship game and the AFC Championship game. And both and all four participants in Championship Sunday, already played each other against each other this season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had already played against the Green Bay Packers and the Buffalo Bills had already played the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season. So these so these teams facing off against each other on Championship Sunday are familiar with each other already. But I'm going to go first into the NFC Championship game because that is the first game on Sunday. And I'm going to begin with what you are looking for in this game. Well, funny enough, just to go back real fast, you saying both teams already played each other. Uh, funny enough, both games were in week six as well. But yes, this is true. This is true. But uh, so we're starting with the NFC. You said first game on Sunday. Yes, it's three o'clock, three o five on Fox. So I figured I. We can go over the NFC first, and then we can go into the AFC Championship game. All right, perfect. So for me, I honestly think, in my opinion, the Bucks have the best all-around team still left in the playoffs, offensively and defensively. They just have playmakers and superstars all around the ball. But that being said, Green Bay's defense also got going at the correct time this season. They started surging going into playoffs and just kept this streak with them just playing good defense around the ball, getting picks, getting stops at the right time, uh, takeaways. And they're just surging with that going into playoffs. Um, we're going to get to see another classic with Brady and Rodgers going at it in the playoffs. But I don't know. I did, this game is just interesting to me. Um, Brady, again, could play and go and try to win his seventh Super Bowl now. Um mm-hmm. But this is going to be the Packers' first game under Aaron Rodgers uh, where the NFC Championship is held in Lambeau. So we'll see how the fans show up. I know they have a limited number, but they seem to make a difference last week against uh, the Rams. So this game is going to be interesting for me. That's for sure. I think that this game will be this game will be a classic. I, I think both games will be a classic, in my opinion. Um, but I'll go more into why why the AFC Championship will be a classic later on. But this game, I feel, will be a classic. As you had mentioned, these two teams had already played each other in Week 6, and Green Bay just got dominated by Tampa Bay in, in that Week 6 matchup, getting blown out by 28 points. They had no answer for the Bucks whatsoever. I mean, I feel like it's going to be different this time around. Green Bay has – they pretty much ran the table after that week six loss. They ran through most of the league on, on their way to the number one seed in the NFC, clinching home field advantage. Rodgers has had an MVP season. Devontae Adams has established himself as arguably one of the top wideouts in the league, if not the top wideout this season. 
And the Packers defense has only given has given up fewer than 20 points in each of its last four games. So the defense will be up to the challenge more now than they were against the Bucks back in week six. I feel like Green Bay is also motivated to get revenge for that embarrassment that happened to them back in week six as well. Yes. So I feel like with all of those factors together, along with along with the fans, it being in Green Bay, it's going to be cold in Green Bay too. I mean, we're already at the end of January. It's going to be cold. Fan, the fans, it's limited attendance, but that, what they had like nine thousand or something like that in attendance for the AFC, the NFC divisional game against the Rams. Yeah, I think around that number. So it'll be around nine thousand again too. And Lambeau Field, even what Lambeau Field is loud, it's loud in Lambeau. You could have 9,000, you could have 69,000. It is loud there. The fans love their, the fans love the Packers. They're going to have the team hyped up. Rodgers and Brady finally get to meet for the, in the playoffs for the first time. I mean, you have a true winner in Tom Brady. And one of the and one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers himself going head to head. You have good running get you have great running games with uh, Aaron Jones and Ronald jo- uh, and Ronald Jones going head to head. Devontae Adams going uh, Devontae Adams on one side for the Packers. Then you've got Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski. And even Robert Tunyon for the pack. I'm going back to Packers. Robert Tunyon as well. So all around, like on offense and even on defense too. Like both sides have key players. Like this should just be like one of those classic games. And I don't know. And I'm going to be honest. It. I don't know whether or not it will be like a, a sh- like an offensive shootout or if it will be like one of those defensive games where we see like a score of like 21 to 17. But. I'm looking forward to this game no matter what. I'm looking forward to both, like I said. Yeah. And with that, what what do you think the outcome of this game will be? Well, going back to week six, um the Bucks ended up routing the Packers thirty-eight to ten in what seemed to be first quarter was all Packers, and after that it just all turned around and Packers couldn't do anything. Brady leaned heavily on the run in week six games, in that week six game, excuse me. Um, and they just took that run and shoved it down Green Bay's throat and it worked for them. But I am under the impression that this is going to be a defensive heavy game unless for some reason Aaron Rodgers just shows why he was the MVP of the season and just comes out throwing the ball around the yard. You got Alan Lazard, you got Javante Adams, uh, you got Robert Tanyan. They could all make huge plays for the uh, Packers, and especially that uh, E. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Saint Brown. I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but they could. They had huge. Alan Lazard and himself had huge plays against the Rams. So why not be able to see that again against the Bucks? Um. For me, I think the Packers just have more of an advantage all around in this game. 
Um, so I think it's going to be a defensive game, but I think the Packers come out ahead. I'm going to say 24 to 17. It's going to be a defensive heavy game. And we're going to see Brady just get knocked down the NFC championship and and Aaron Rodgers is going to win his first ever NFC championship here at Lambeau. And we're going to see them in the Super Bowl. All right. All right. You know, I'm going to obviously, you know, my Super Bowl prediction could still happen. I did have the Chiefs and the Packers predicting to go to the Super Bowl. So obviously, like, you know, even though I took the Browns last week, followed my heart, that didn't work out so well. The Chiefs still, the, uh, the Chiefs and Packers prediction is still there. So I am taking the Packers as well. I've been riding the Packers train because I feel like they are, without a doubt, the best team in the NFL right now. And there will are people that will disagree with me on that, and I know that for a fact. But I feel like that the way that the offense of the Green Bay Packers is, and as well as how the defense has been playing as a team, like the whole collective effort, they're all on the same page. The offense is glue is just locked in. The defense is gelling together. I'm going to take the Packers in this one. I'm taking the score too, uh, uh, and you, and I'm going to take a score of 28 to 24, 28 to 24, because it. I see offense happening in this game, but I also see where there will be defensive stops. I feel like it's going to come down where I feel like it's going to come down to the fact of whether or not Brady can Brady and the Bucks can march down the field in the final 2 minutes and have that moment for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I feel like even though Brady is adaptable to the cold weather playing in New England for 20 years. Same thing with Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski because, well, Rob Gronkowski was in New England as well, and Antonio Brown played in Pittsburgh, so he's they're both adaptable to the cold weather too. I feel like the cold weather will play a part in them, not whether or not you know the run game is there for them and whether or not the other receivers can catch passes in the crucial moments. So... I do think that it will be back and forth offensively and defensively. Brady will try and march down the field to win the game for the Bucs. It won't happen. And the Packers will move on to advance to Super Bowl 55. And it will be the Packers' first Super Bowl appearance in 10 years. In 10 years. Now, here's a fun fact for you. I'm going to take a jab at the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Tom Brady has been in the NFC one season, and he has made more NFC championship appearances than the Dallas Cowboys have since since the year I was born, 1997. The Dallas Cowboys haven't made an NFC championship game since 1996. Tom Brady came to Tampa from New England and in his first season took the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the NFC Championship. That's a, that's a, that is laughable at the Dallas Cowboys franchise right there. It, I just had to throw 
I had to throw that out there. Sorry. In, in the Cowboys' defense, Brady did come into this Buccaneers team with probably having the best offensive line and just honestly the best offensive weapons in football. And they already had a great defense to go along with that. It was just obvious that James James Winston isn't the quarterback Tom Brady is. And I think if Tampa Bay had just a competent quarterback, they could have made it this far. I'm sorry, James Winston. You can't go 30 touchdowns and 30 picks and expect to make it to playoffs or even deep in the playoffs. But no, that's, I think that's, this Buccaneers yeah. team was good to begin with. And just Brady coming in just took them to that next level they could have been to. Uh, oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, it just took them a few weeks to gel together and whatnot. I just wanted to take a jab at the Cowboys. Oh, I love for it. No, no one loves the Cowboys. No one loves the Cowboys. I mean, just laughing at them for the past like 24, 25 seasons is is fun enough in my in my opinion. Especially coming from but, a Giants fan, you gotta love to see that stat. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. I love to see stats like that. I, I really do. But, but now we're going to move on to the other game of Championship Sunday, and that is the matchup in the AFC that everybody wanted to see. The Buffalo Bills heading to Kansas City to take on the, the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. This will be Buffalo's first AFC championship appearance since the 1993 season, and this is Kansas City's third straight trip to the AFC championship. In fact, they have hosted the AFC championship the last two appearances as well, so it is their third straight season where they host the game at Arrowhead. What are you looking for in this game? Um, First and foremost, um, before we get anything, Patrick Mahomes will be playing in this game. As soon as he went down in that uh, the game against the Browns, I knew he was going to be in next week if the Chiefs had able to make it through uh, the Browns, which they did. I think Patrick Mahomes will play this game, but uh, we are seeing two completely different teams uh, coming into this game uh, than we saw in the Week 6 game. I mean, in week six, the Bills' defense played not too terrible against Patrick Mahomes. They did what they wanted to do and shut him down. They said, you're going to beat us on the ground, and you're not going to beat us over the air. Um, Pat Mahomes only threw for 225 yards, but the problem was they let Clyde Edwards-Hilaire kill us. He had 26 rushes for 161 yards. He was averaging 6.2 a carry, and that just absolutely killed the Buffalo Bills. I don't see that happening again this week. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a good back, but the Bills' defense, as the season went on, have just gotten better and better. And last week, they shopped, they completely made the number one rushing offense in the NFL um, completely non-existent. The first drive, uh, the Ravens, I believe um, they ended up with getting like 74 yards on that drive. And yes. um, after that, they only finished with a total of like 151. So you can see the adjustments they made just after that first drive. They completely made Lamar Jackson basically nobody in this game. They're forcing him to beat him in the air, which he has shown time and time again in his career. He just can't do. If you let him get going on the ground, that's when he becomes uh, better in the air. But if you're stopping him on the ground, he can't do anything. 
Um, so I'm looking at this Bills defense to come in with a new game plan against the Chiefs. Um, of course, they playing against Patrick Mahomes, that's tough for anyone. But for me, the Bills have nothing to lose in this game. No one expected the Bills to be here this season. Um, all people in Buffalo were honestly looking for is an AFC championship game and a playoff win. Now we have the AFC champ, or excuse me, the AFC East championship. I'm sorry. Um, two playoff and a playoff two win. Pl- and two playoff wins. Yeah. Yep, so they've exceeded, yep, everyone's, the they've exceeded everybody's, um, what everyone thought of them. And they didn't exceed your expectations. Well, no, my, ex- you told- my expectations were the bills this season could probably make it to the Super Bowl. But they had to do this Kansas yes. City Chiefs team. But, yes, you had told me that uh, you, after the Bills had won the AFC East, you had told me that the job wasn't done. You had told me that you know you, you literally told me that you don't understand like why people were so, like were going nuts over a division that was expected of them to win for them to win. I mean, I get why I get why people how- were going crazy. It's been twenty five years, but if you want your team to be a great team. That can't be the point where you stop and say this season is complete. Great teams go on to win Super Bowls. And going back to week six, um, we didn't have everyone. Matt Milano wasn't playing. Tremaine Edmonds was hurt. We were uh we were missing uh excuse me, who I believe oh yeah, we were missing Quentin Jefferson that game. Um, I believe. Yep. And Josh Allen only threw for 122 yards. I don't see that happening today. Uh, fun fact, the Bills are undefeated with Matt Milano in the lineup. I was just about to mention that too, actually. Yes, Matt Milano, with Matt Milano in the lineup on the defensive side for the Bills, the Bills are 13-0. and 0. In the three games he has not played, they lost all three. And... Going back to that game, uh, game week six, Tremaine Edmonds, like you said, not was not not being healthy, what hurt them too, because he wasn't a hundred percent. Now with the a healthy Matt Milano and a healthy Tremaine Edmonds in as in in terms of the defense at both that linebacker right there, that linebacker position is solidified with two healthy players mm-hmm. who, in my opinion, are one of the best linebacker tandems in the league when they're healthy. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I remember a play in week six, Tremaine Edmonds, he was going to make a, uh, he could have made a tackle with his left shoulder, but he ended up turning his body so he could tackle with his right shoulder. So he didn't hurt it anymore. And that is a huge difference in a game. If you're playing healthy or not healthy. And for me, this is America's game and it is going to be a shootout. Josh Allen this is his game where he can say, you know what? I, I'm the best quarterback in the AFC. I don't care what the critics are saying. I'm here. This is my time. Him and Stephon Diggs are going to have themselves a game. I predict right now, Stephon Diggs is going to have over 110 yards receiving. He's going to have at least one touchdown. And I think this Bills defense is going to step up. With Leslie Frazier being the defensive coordinator, he is great at taking away team's best option. And for the Kansas City, that is Mahomes' arm. You saw it against the Ravens last week. Um, You saw it when we played Derrick Henry, who he only had 44 yards rushing against us. I I just think the Bills are coming with nothing to lose, and they're going to put everything on the table. And the pressure is on Kansas City. 
because everyone's expecting him to make the Super Bowl. I agree with that. The pressure is on Kansas City. My thing that I'm looking for in this game is the status of Patrick Mahomes' foot. Because I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah, it sounds awful that I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes and concussion protocol and everything. He did practice. He is, he is, uh, he is on the, he is like on the injury list, which means there, which means he's, he's going to play. Can I interrupt you for a second? Go right ahead. So I heard um, it actually is, he's not in actual concussion protocol. They looked at it because it might have looked like it, but. I heard that he tweaked something in his neck, which kind of stopped sending everything to his brain. And that is why he got up wobbly and he got yeah. up with those noodle legs. But like you said, though, that foot, it sucks playing with an injured toe. I don't, I've played sports for a long time. I've had injuries on my toe. That affects you a lot. You saw it against the Browns. He wasn't able to get out as much as he wanted. Yes. He still beat them with his legs a little bit, but he wasn't the Patrick Mahomes out there scrambling like we saw. He was limping the whole game. But, yeah, I'm not worried about him at all. But his foot will be something to look at during the game. Yes, his foot will be something to look at during the game. He And going back to that, yes, I did not think that the hit was that scary. And from what I saw, I from what I saw and I read on, was that when he went into the locker room, because how the process goes is you have to answer a series of questions before you can go back into the game. Like you have to get them all yes. correct. Like he got them all correct except for one. And the one question that he got wrong was a, was a question in relation to the game. And the question they asked was about a play that happened literally like in that drive like a couple plays before and he couldn't remember it uh so they took his so that's why they took him out of the game so they took him out of the game as a precautionary measure i'm going to say because they didn't want anything else happening to him whether or not it would have been more more or less he could have gotten taken another hit to the head or he could have had or he could have tweaked the foot more so in my opinion it was the smart move putting Henny into the game against the Browns it was a ballsy move by Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy having him throw shotgun <laughs> on fourth and inches i loved it honestly but I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes in this game either. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire should be back. They rested him against the Browns. And even then, they still have Damian Williams and Le'Veon Bell. Damian Williams is a capable running back. We saw that he can make he can make good good amount of running plays. We, uh, we saw that against the Browns. We saw that last season in the playoffs especially against the Niners in that Super Bowl he had that he had that rushing touchdown to pretty much seal it for the, seal it for them and Le'Veon Bell is getting the job done too so if Clyde Edwards Hilaire comes back that's just a bonus for actually, them um to a hint on Le'Veon Bell um did you notice he didn't play after the first his first snap at the game I did you notice that to, too why that is uh, intrigued me, so sir. he ran the wrong route on his first play of the game. And Andy Reid basically – Andy Reid always talks about trusting his players. And since he ran the wrong route, he said, you know what, I can't trust you. You're not going back in. But that is why he let Chad Henney throw in the shotgun because he trusts his players no matter who it is. 
Exactly. exactly. Can we talk about Chad Henney, though, real fast? On third and 14, this man, I feel like he's been in the league longer than Tom Brady has. He hasn't. He's not even old enough, but he hasn't. He's been in the league he, for 12, 12 or 13 years. It feels seasons. like he's been there forever. But the Browns could not have done anything better on that play. Who goes into that play thinking Chad Henney is going to beat me with his legs? <laughs> I'm sitting on my couch watching this happen, and I'm like, okay, they have him sacked. They have him throwing an they have him sacked. They have him doing something stupid. Like I had Miami Chad Henney in my brain already. Like he was going to throw a pick or like, he, like he did on the previous, like he did previously in the game. I thought he was going to take a sack. Nope. He just runs to his left and he rushes and he one, like one inch away, literally one or two inches away. And I'm like, Oh my fucking God. Like he literally just sent Kansas city to the AFC championship game. And Tony Romo is losing his shit and he's made for a fool because the refs like spot the ball for like literally like a couple inches short of the marker. And I thought that was a bad spot until I saw that his elbow was down like before until I saw that his elbow was down at that angle. So when they went into the play, I'm thinking what well, Romo's thinking. I'm like, okay, Andy Reid, I know how Andy Reid operates. He's just going to try and draw, see if the Browns can draw offside. Like they're not going to run a play. And then they run the shotgun. And I'm like, Andy Reid and Eric the enemy. And that's what I'm looking for in this game. I'm looking for a bet. I'm going to, I'm looking for a battle between the coaches in this game. Andy Reid and Eric the enemy going up against Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, and Leslie Frazier. I'm looking to see the battle in between the coaches because Brian Dable can come up with all these trick plays on offense. Eric Bieniemy is an offensive genius as well when it comes to what he can do. And he doesn't get a lot of credit and he should be a top head coaching candidate. In my opinion, I know he's had some interviews. I don't know whether or not he'll stay with the chiefs or whatnot. In my opinion, he should try to become a head coach. Andy Reid is also one of the greatest coaches in the history of the oh, yeah. NFL. He, he's not respected enough, mainly because before last season, he coached a bunch of Eagles teams that underperformed. And then he came to Kansas City and they were underperforming too. But then they finally got over the hump. And McDermott and Fr- McDermott's a great coach too. Uh, if it wasn't for what Kevin Stefanski did in Cleveland, I feel like McDermott would get coach of the year. So I'm looking for a battle of the coaches and seeing like how the plays will get drawn up on both offense and defense for both teams, especially because of what happened with Chad Henney on fourth and inches and third and 14 before well, that. the thing with Andy Reid. If you're a coach going up against him, Andy Reid, if you're playing against this Chiefs team under Andy Reid, you basically have to prepare for the offense and the defense like usual. But you also have to prepare for Andy Reid because he can show you – he doesn't show you the same looks every single week. He is constantly evolving himself as a coach. And basically, you don't know what to prepare for because what you've seen in film, you're probably not going to see in the next week especially going into the AFC championship. He is just that good of a coach. He can diversify himself and his players to be able to do different game plans. 
for different teams, and you never see the same play run by the Chiefs team rarely ever. But that fourth and inches play that they run, they love running that little out a uh, little down route to a uh, Tyree Kill. That's normally their go-to, but you typically won't see same plays coming from Andy Reid, and that is what's scary is just how much he can adapt himself. Exactly. The Chiefs could find themselves in a hole in this game. And the thing is, though, it, if the Chiefs find themselves in a hole in this game, I you're almost expecting them to come well, back last year. into look the last game. Last year against the Houston, they were down 24 nothing. Everyone's like, oh, they're out of the game. And they come back and beat the Texans? Like, come on. And then, the, and then the same thing. And then the same thing against the Titans in the AFC Championship last season as well. And even in the Super Bowl, they were down 10 points against the Niners. It's almost as if the Chiefs are toying with their opponents and Andy Reid knows that, like, Andy Reid has complete faith in his team. Not just because Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes is out on the field, but because of who he has on that field uh, in terms of the offense and the defense. Not only is Patrick Mahomes your quarterback, but you also have Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. You have da- you have Damian Williams, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You have you have a good offensive line. You have a good offensive line to help protect your quarterback and running back too. And then on the defense, you have great. You have good defensive players too. Too Tyron Matthew, for example, they can get the job done. That, that is just faith in the team right there. He believes in his guys, and because of that, like I said, it's almost as if like they toy with you. Like it's like no lead is safe when you're going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Vegas when they lost to the Las Vegas Raiders at home earlier in the season, they were down twenty-eight to nothing, and they just didn't look like themselves. That is the outlier there. I mean, they eventually started getting, they started scoring. They made it a close game uh, event. They made it a closer game, obviously, but they still lost. That's an outlier there. But for other, other times, for the most part, the Chiefs, they get down. You just expect them to come back, tie the game, make the game competitive. And then eventually they'll find a way to win. Will that happen this week? In the AFC Championship, I don't know. I don't think it will be a game like that. I'm going to agree with you. I think it will be a shootout. Whoever gets the ball last is going to win the game, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I am happy the Chiefs beat the Browns because this is a game everybody wanted to see. And for me, being a like Bills Rick fan, to be the best, you got to beat the best. The Kansas, this Kansas City Chiefs team is by far the best team in the NFL. I don't care what anyone else says. No one can compete with Andy Reid and having Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. It's just unbelievable what he has done with this team since he's been there. Even with Alex Smith, they were winning the division, and then they bring in Patrick Mahomes, uh, let him sit a season behind um, Alex Smith, and then he goes out there and does this for three seasons straight. I mean, come on. Exactly. How, how and they haven't had – this is the best period right of Kansas City football that they've seen uh, – that Kansas City Chiefs fans have seen in 50 years. Back going, and it goes back to the early 60s – it goes back to the late 60s, early 70s when 
they were still in, before before the merger, like when they were still in the in the American Football League, and then they merged into the NFL. And actually, at this time, like even fifty years ago, for the Bills, the Bills were kind of they were successful in the American Football League. They won two AFL championships. They competed with the they actually competed against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFL championship game to go to the first Super Bowl against the Green Bay Packers. And they lost to the yep. Kansas City Chiefs. I mean the Chiefs ended up yep. losing to the Packers, we all know, but the Chiefs eventually found, won that Super Bowl in Super Bowl in Super Bowl 4 beating the Minnesota Vikings. So, we're kind of, we're kind of seeing a little bit of history repeating itself 50 50 years down the road. And I think that yeah. I'm going to go into my prediction now. I think that the game will be close. It will be a shootout like I said, whoever gets the ball last wins. We're going to have an all-time classic AFC Championship game. I'm going to predict that Romo will lose his mind no more than four times. Nance and Romo will be commentating on the game. Oh, is Romo commentating the game? Oh, come on. I can't. Love Tony Romo as a quarterback. Hate him as a commentator. He talks too much for me. I like his insight. No, that's understandable. That's understandable. A lot of people don't like him talking. (laughs) I think he's better than Phil Simms, though. And if you're. Yeah, if but if you're if you're a national reporter, he dick rides the Dallas well, so Cowboys so hard whenever he commentates your game. I get if he was I get he was a be a, if he was a commentator for the Cowboys like doing their play by play, but he's on a national stage. I agree. You have to be in the middle with the teams. I agree. I agree. Uh, that, so that's my I'm problem going, with him. I'm going to stick with my Super Bowl prediction here. The Chiefs will end up taking on the Green Bay Packers in Super Bowl 55. It will be a rematch of Super Bowl 1. I am taking the Chiefs in this game by a score of 55 to 40. It's actually, no, 52-49 in overtime. 52-49 in overtime. The Kansas City Chiefs win. It's going to be a little cold in Kansas City. That's no problem for Buffalo. That's no problem for Kansas City. The fans, that's no problem for either one of those teams. I think the the difference in the game, though, will be be the coaching of Andy Reid and Eric Biennemi. That's why Kansas City will win this game. That's why it'll go into the Super Bowl. So, my friend that is a Bills fan, my biased Bills fan friend, how much are the Bills winning by, and who, and 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 are and and they're going on to the Super Bowl? How, by how much? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns here. I will pick the Bills uh, to go to the Super Bowl. But before I get to my prediction of the score, I think the weather might have a little bit of impact on the game, just because it's not gonna be snowing in Kansas City which I'm sure the players would rather have because it is going to be a very cold rain. And you know this from playing soccer. And yes, Catholic. it does. Playing in cold rain sucks. Towards toward, They kick off at 640. And by that time, I thought I saw the weather that it was going to be 34 and rain. That sucks to play in for the players because you're just wet and cold at that point, And you're not just cold like you would be in snow. 
I think it's going to have a little factor on the teams, but not much because both these teams are used to playing in the colder, wet weather. But I don't think the score is going to be that high. I think both defenses are too good to be lit up like that. And it's going to be a shootout, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of scoring. So with that being said, I'm going the Bills. It's going to be 33 33. to 28. Special teams. This game is going to come down to special teams, in my opinion. And I think Tyler Bass is going to show up on the national stage in the AFC Championship and hit some huge field goals for the Bills. Both of these defenses are too good. To and be I could be wrong, too. Could be I could be wrong. Game. But they're, they're, they're just that, too good to be lit that's up like you think they are. I'm sorry. And I'm going 33-28 uh, Buffalo Bills taking on the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to do with myself as a Bills fan. I was last week when we made it to this game. I kind of just at the end of the game, I my, just sat down and it didn't even hit me right away that we were, that we were playing the AFC Championship. I just kind of sat after there and was like, wow, the pick that six for Taron Johnson. I actually like screwed it. Like I actually said, go, you motherfucker, go all the fucking way, take it to the fucking house. And I, and I, and, and I'm and I'm just screaming and hooting and hollering because I'm like, you know what? Good for the city of Buffalo. I'm from Buffalo. I told you, I don't hate. I, I I've never hated the Buffalo Bills. I can't hate the Buffalo Bills. I know too many friends that are Bills fans. Some of them, some of them, like you, many of them are knowledgeable. Other of them are kind of cocky and don't know what they're talking about. But that's like all the girls putting on their Instagram stories. Boy, about the oh boy. Uh, week, there, don't there's know some, what they're talking about. I, I wasn't going to go that far. Some of them do, but some of them do. Uh, it, yeah, bothers no, me, I, it bothers me. Don't hop on the bandwagon when we're good. If you weren't there See, my when we were wearing is, the Navy blue jerseys, If you weren't there like when Trent Edwards and J.P. Lossman were quarterbacks, then don't be there like when Josh Allen is quarterback. Don't even get me started on J.P. Lossman. He was supposed to be exactly. the fucking biggest thing coming since Ducks French Cox. That dude could not have been more of this. <laughs> that dude could not have been more of a disappointment to the Bills than anything. He no before cut, that, he was way before twenty eleven, right? Well, no, Lossman was in the. Oh, wait, yeah, sorry, was never mind. I was thinking, yeah, Lawson was in 2004. Trent Edwards came, and everybody thought that Trent Edwards and J.P. Lossman were the second comings of Jesus, and Trent Edwards ended up being better than J.P. Lossman, but then Edwards wasn't any any better, and then the whole quarterback carousel happened. I personally, in my opinion, the best quarterback during you, – you're going to laugh at me. The best quarterback during the drought, in my opinion, was Kyle Orton. Kyle Orton Kyle, was a good quarterback. The city of Buffalo for, loved Kyle Orton. He was the closest quarterback to until get us made playoffs to the playoffs under Tyrod Taylor. Until, until we made playoffs under Tyrod Taylor, who we yeah. didn't even deserve but to be there. But my thing is, is that if Buffalo drop, wins the AFC Championship game, I feel bad for Bills Mafia. They should be sell. They they should be able to celebrate. Obviously, they can't because of a pandemic. They definitely can't because bars and everything close at 10 p.m. Who knows what? Who knows what? Who knows where the state's looking at? You know, they've got like they've got eyes everywhere. The state. So, but uh, if I I feel bad because they should be on they should be on Chippewa celebrating if they win, 
And if Kansas City wins, most likely they will be able to celebrate, but not too much. So, well, it was crazy. So yes. here, um, so you know, I live up in Hamburg now. Um, after the Bills game, there was fireworks going off everywhere around me. Um, so the game finished right around like eleven, eleven thirty. I heard fireworks going off until Where? like first off, like. It was crazy here. First off, it makes me wonder, like, where they got the fireworks. Like, did they just like have them stored after go after the Fourth of July? Like, (laughs) probably. probably. uh, Oh yeah, he isn't that far from Hamburg. I mean, it's a yeah, yeah. It's like a yeah, so hour drive to uh, Murph and uh, Tasker on WGR, listening to the game, and then head back. And then by the time game's over, you can just light them off. That makes that I could see that happening. But um, uh, yeah, I heard that I heard that they were going off around Lancaster and Clarence a lot. And I'm thinking to myself, fireworks going off in Lancaster and Clarence really don't happen a lot. So good for good for them having some fun out there. <laughs> it was crazy. I am curious to see what happens it, to the city of Buffalo. Well, if the Bills end up losing, which I don't think they will, the airport is going to be crazy. I think if the Bills lose, I am going to the airport for sure to great them coming back from Kansas City for this amazing season they had. And it's exciting, too, because this isn't one of those seasons where it's like, okay, the Bills aren't supposed to be here. It's not going to happen again. Like the bit, we have showed, we can be good for a long time now. Josh Allen is still on his rookie deal. I know he'll probably sign a uh, he'll probably sign an extension this offseason, but the cap hit won't hit yet because he'll still be on his rookie contract. And we can bring in another superstar or two because we have so much cap space. It's just an exciting time to be a Bills fan because they have showed they're going to be good for years to come. And honestly, in my opinion. It is always going to be how it used to be. Oh, it's Brady in the AFC. Who else is going to beat him going to the Super Bowl? Like, it was Brady and Big Ben, basically. Now it's going to be it's Josh exactly. Allen, Patrick Mahomes, who's going to get through them. It's going to be a battle between those two for years to come. And that's going to be fun to watch because these are two fantastic quarterbacks. And we've been looking for this quarterback since Jim Kelly left. I mean, we got Drew Bledsoe, but he didn't do much for us. And exactly. hey, I agree. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. You know, I you know, being from the seven one six, I I love what the team is doing. Even though I'm not a fan, obviously, I still, I you 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 can't you cannot support and appreciate what the team is doing. The only thing that sucks is that because of how miserable 2020 has been, and even 2021, the start of it has not been great. Everybody has been pretty much living their lives through a football team, which there's nothing wrong with doing. I mean, me being a sports fan of multiple teams, like uh, I do, I do, I'm not, I do that sometimes. Like, you know, my whole mood, it depends on like how, my team, how, whether it's my football team, my baseball team, my soccer team, my hockey team. I mean, you know, it, it all depends on how they perform. Like that could affect my mood for them for not saying it wholly affects my mood, but like it could put a little bit of damper on it or it can brighten it a little bit. But I think we're going to end on that note with that topic. And we're going to move on to our next topic being how 
uh, this one of the biggest mafia trials of all time is going on in Italy, where Italy's most powerful crime family is, that is responsible for 80% of Europe's cocaine problem and 330 of the top, the head associates face trial. And this is just outrageous, in my opinion. I have never seen anything like this happen in my time. What is your take on this first? It's just crazy because ever since... Um, oh, Sorry. Sorry, well, I'm going to find my notes real fast for this. I don't know that's we're perfectly that fine. That's perfectly you start. fine. So what's going on with this trial is that more than 330 quote-unquote suspected mob- mobsters and their associates are facing an array of charges including extortion, drug trafficking, and theft. The case targets the and- Andraga clan, which is based in Calab- Cal- Calabria, which is the toe of Italy's boot and is considered by prosecutors to be the most powerful mafia group in the country, easily eclipsing the most famous Cosa Nostra game in Sicily. <laughs> it's, it's in a huge room. Like, it is in a converted call center in the Calabrian city of Lemzia Term with metal cages installed for all the defendants, rows of desks set up for the hundreds of lawyers, prosecutors, and spectators to attend and the thing is, though, is just it's it's insane. It's it's madness. I mean, many of the accused here are white are white collared workers, lawyers, accountants, business people, politicians, policemen. They willingly addressed and aided the the Andragada crime family in building their empire. And it's it's just madness because here the thing is, though, is like. Everybody thought that La Cosa Nostra was bad. I mean, in the 80s and in, in 80s and 90s, they were prosecuted like this for the most part. And that's what eventually led to their downfall in Italy. They were prosecuted like this. They were all sent to jail for the most part. Mm-hmm. Most of them are dead anyways because they were all old. And La Cosa Nostra being the tough crime family that they were that got brought down. That's where this crime family was ha- was able to step in and fill the shoes of La Cosa Nostra. They couldn't have found, been in a better position to succeed, in my opinion. And Italy's economy is awful. Unemployment is around 40%. People have jobs, but some jobs are usually just treated with pride because they're just happy to have a job. Um, honestly, we're, in terms of unemployment not just in italy but in that little city too it's bad the whole city's kind of a shit show um this family stranglehold on the country because of all the shit that goes on in 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 this city and in italy as well it's just incredible they employ more people than the government they pay better many generations are in turn endeared to the mafia, whether it's this family, whether it's La Cosa Nostra, despite all of the killing, extortion, drug running that every 
family has done in the history of whatever mafia family you follow. It's kind of like Robin Hood in a way, kind of like Robin Hood. You know, Robin Hood stole from the rich and gave to the poor. And it's really fucked up in a way. But they, this gang imports more than 80% of Europe's cocaine, which is crazy. They bring in $40 billion a year. $40 million a year. It, is a, I mean, forty million dollars, forty million dollars a, a year in turn. Oh, forty billion, forty billion dollars a year in forty, 40, 40 billion. billion. Oh, that is a lot of forty billion, billion a year. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that's more. That is worth more than yeah. some of the richest people in the world. You can literally put mafia, crime, family, cocaine distribution on the on the list of world's richest people, and I'm guaranteeing you it would be in the top twenty, maybe top fifteen. Yeah. It- uh, so with this gang, um, or this uh, mob, this mafia, excuse me, this family, whatever you want to call it, um, did you know that they fed women to pigs to if they didn't give up their it's land to a neighbor? It's disgusting what who, they do. Like, it's really disgusting. Mafia? Like, it really is disgusting that they are that they do this. And the thing is, though, it's because corruption just lies deep within. Not just the city that they're based out of, but also in Italian, in the Italian government and Italian politics too. That this is that this is allowed to happen, and it continued to happen. Not just like in the early 1900s, but into the late 1900s, and even to today, like this happens, and nobody talks about it. It's just like ridiculous. They turn a blind eye. Like, how can you do this? Well, because unfortunately. Exactly. Exactly. Mafia is bringing money for the economy. Unfortunately, what it sucks to say, but because if you know anything about the mafia, like in the like the New York mafia when they had all the top five fathers, they owned like a lot of New York City and the places that they were uh, located in, and so they they would own businesses, they would build skyscrapers and stuff. And so it was giving money basically to the city, but they're getting so much in return from it. It's just a shitty situation for the whole country. But I'm sure politicians just kind of turn a blind eye because they are still getting oh, money. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And the thing is too, is like, even in the night, even going to the American, to the mafia families here in America that came from Sicily, from La Cosa Nostra and they expanded their empires. They were eventually prosecuted, brought down, and everything but what happens in america is not as bad as what happens in italy they treat if you don't show respect to the mafia whatever family it is whether it's this family here whether it was la cosa nostra in sicily they will they will hurt you they will hurt your family they will make lives living hell for people and it's just, it, it's crazy. And yes, the politicians do turn a blind eye. But the thing is, though, is if you eventually go too far, you are going to get arrested. You are going to get prosecuted. Cases will be built against you. But the thing is, though, sometimes with these cases, witnesses, quote unquote, disappear. Um, you know, all statements are recanted. They're let go. And the thing is, too, is like you said, yes, mafias do build into the economy because of the businesses that they operate, the legitimate businesses that they operate, whether or not it's, you know, bakeries or oil company or 
olive oil making companies like in the like in the Godfather two part two or pizza like I said pizzerias or you know or casinos. I mean Vegas was built by the mafia. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, Italy is such a small country compared to the U.S. Where these guys basically could have controlled the country if they wanted to, it, which they basically did, just without ties to politics. Exactly, exactly. That's how it, big it's they were. crazy that they got that they got all of these people to turn a blind eye for the most part, up until now, obviously, and then the prosecution and the people running this case against this family and the heads of the family and their associates for them to turn, make the people that were working with them turn against the family that they, how they did is just nuts because obviously you have to fear for fam- your families and you fear for retaliation, but obviously like, you know, they just don't care anymore. They want to get out of that lifestyle. They want to move on. Um, it's crazy. I mean, the high, the highest profile defendant in this trial is alleged clan boss Luigi Mancuso, who's only 66 years old. He's known as the uncle. Other def- uh, he has other defendants, too, like that are going on trial along with him that are said to be by nicknames such as the Wolf, Fatty, and Blondie. So now you just like know how creative the mafia has been over the years. They're just like saying, oh, hey, yeah, you, you over there, you're, you're dipshit. That's your code name or whatever. And the thing is, is that like <laughs> this guy took a fledging operation in the eighties and turned it into one that takes, like you said, over forty billion dollars in revenue on an annual basis. They import eighty percent of Europe's cocaine from Mexico and Colombia through the container port, through the container port in Gio Toro, and its crime business just pulls in all that revenue. And the thing is, though, is that this case has been building up for years, like. Back in 2012, back in 2012, there was Italian prosecutors warning about how the international cocaine market was becoming a problem. And obviously they knew what was happening in the 80s and 90s when the Andragoda crime family was carrying out series of kidnappings across Italy. And because of how deep corruption ran they weren't allowed to do anything about it because it's just it's just insane honestly and i mean the thing is though is like there are some wild stories that are to come from this trial i mean the thing is though is like this trial is going to go on for a while it's just it's not just one person being prosecuted it's over 300 so you are going to have numerous questions being asked you're going to have rebuttals you're going to have you're going to have witness statements come come out of the blue first come out of the blue you're going to have witnesses come from here there and everywhere you're going to have like we all know how court we all know how court is we all know how the judicial system is. I mean, obviously, it's a little different in Italy than it is in the United States. But the thing is, though, is like the judicial system still is the judicial system. These people want to put this crime family away for good. They want to finally get rid of all the 
craziness associated with this crime family. And I, this, this will take a while. This will take a long time to figure out. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, though, once one family falls, another one is going to step right into their place. That is the problem with drugs in this world is they're no, never going to go away, never. They're not going to go away. So, unfortunately, yes, this family will go down. Another one is going to step up right into its place. and just Exactly, exactly. La Costa Nostra fell. This, this family took over. This family's going to fall. They're all going to be thrown into jail where they'll eventually die in rotten prison. But another, fam, another family gang group mafia will take their spot and will either expand the operation to greater heights or just lead it to its downfall. It all depends on who you have in leadership and everything. And that's where the American mafia mm-hmm. eventually fell. That's, that's where the American mafia eventually fell. Because after the crime bosses of the 60s and 70s eventually died out and or retired, they were replaced by people that wanted to get into new operations such as drugs. And that's why the American mafia isn't as notorious as it was back in the 50s, 60s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even the 70s. I mean, the American mafia still exists. I mean, it's just very well hidden. Did you uh, like? Did did you yeah. know that like Western New York had a huge mafia stranglehold on it? They well, do they in a do way. They don't have a huge stranglehold. They um, uh, they do have a mafia. Buffalo and Western New York does have a mafia presence, but not as much as it used to. Not as much, but yes, I did know that because, um, actually, my it was my. Grandpa's really? my grandpa's uncle was actually a part of it. He was he was in the mafia, yeah, and he ended up. Uh, hopefully, I don't get mafia coming on me for saying this, but uh, he actually ended up dying because he was transporting uh, tires somewhere. Oh, and Jesus someone came Christ. and basically oh, cut man. his whole body up. Yeah, and they found him like in pieces. That's all crazy. Over See, that's the that's that's the wild stuff I'm talking about. They're ruthless, but yeah, no, I mean Niagara Falls. Back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, it used to have a strangle. The mafia used to have a stranglehold. The Mag- was the, the Magadino crime Magadino, family. Stefano Magadino was headquartered in Niagara Falls, New York. He lived in Lewiston. And actually, my grandparents actually yeah. knew Stefano Magadino and they knew his mother too. And they were and they knew his mother too, actually. Well, actually, uh yeah, it was actually uh, founded by uh, uh, Alegno Palmieri, the Buffalo. No, it, it wasn't actually Stefan Magadino, but he was the head boss. But it was actually founded yes, by it was founded by Alegno Palmieri. Palmieri from, it yeah, was it was founded 19, by him in 1910, and then obviously Stefano Magadino took over. And the thing is, though, Stefano actually sat on the commission. Yeah. Stefano Magadino sat on the commission as uh, part of because he was the head of the Buffalo crime family. At one point, he sat on the commission and he actually was close with Lucky Luciano and he was also close with the, the Genovese crime family, too. But yes, going back to the strength, the hold that the mafia may or may not have in Western New York. Did you know that Lenovo Lenovo Pizzeria was uh, founded by uh, a mafia crime family? 
the Todaro crime family that, yeah. founded the mafia. The, I mean, yeah, founded what the Todaro crime family, a mafia crime family, founded Lenovo Pizzeria, and that was their legitimate business. And they ran their illicit business like outside, like in, like you know, in secret compartments of the of the pizzeria. And the thing is, though, is like they actually say that they're retired the todaros like joe joe todaro jr owns the pizzerias and i think it, it's here joe todaro jr or joe todaro the third there's one of their retired they own the p they just focus on the pizzerias that they say they're no longer affiliated with the mafia but the thing is though is like you don't retire out of the mafia only they they, they die. They 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 die. They don't retire out of the mafia. So yeah. that the, the the mafia is probably gonna come after me and you know say that like oh no what you're saying is bullshit. So well, this could be potentially my last episode. Pray for me, everybody. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, it, it's just interesting because like you know learn. Uh, Nobody really knows that, not just in Western New York, in Western New York and Buffalo, but also there's also just crazy things that go on in Europe, like this trial that happens and nobody knows about it because, you know, we're so focused on other things going on. But I just thought that that was interesting, to be honest. It is very interesting. And especially, like I said, Italy's such a little country. So you wonder how much of an influence they had. Like the mafias here had a huge influence in the states they were in, but it's like exactly, magic, exactly, it's madness. Like I said, the trial is going to go on for a while. For a while, it's going to just be prolonged. Who knows how long it will end? It'll be years exactly, exactly. Before it comes to an and end. we're on that note, we're going to close out that topic and we're going to move on to the next topic. And I'm going to tell a story about how I have convinced my friend to quote unquote invest in the lottery. So, can't wait to hear the New York story. State Mega Millions and the New York State Powerball are both over $700 million. The New York State Mega Millions is at over $900 million. I think it's like $930 million. And the Powerball is at $750 million. $750 million. So I have a friend who is trying to figure out how to invest his money. And it's not money that like he like it's money that he has, but it's not money that he earns from working. He's pretty he hasn't worked in forever. The job that he has, they temporarily laid him off because they closed the business down because of COVID and everything. So he's collecting money from the government. That's un the unemployment money. And he's like, OK, like, I don't want just this to sit in my bank account. Like I could maybe invest my money into stocks or bonds or whatever. And. Me and my other friend, we have a group chat together, and I'm joking with him saying, you should invest your money in the lottery. And he said, no, the lottery is just a tax for dumb people. And we're coming at him and saying, why don't you live a little, you know, just spend a couple bucks. It's kind of, it's fun, you know. Sure, you waste like $2, but who cares? Like, you know, it, 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 there's nothing wrong with it unless you become addicted to it. And then, so he said... Okay, maybe I'll give it a try. Maybe I'll give it a try. Um, and then he, so he's like, I'll give it a try. He calls me and he's like, 
where do I buy lottery tickets? Like, do you not know, like, where lottery t- Like, come on. Like, who doesn't know that lottery... Exactly. You can buy them at a, a, a 7-Eleven. Anywhere that sells lottery tickets. You can walk into... T- you can literally, like, walk into any grocery store. They've got the machines there. And the thing is, though, it can all be done electronically now. You don't even know... You don't even need to go up to a person and say, hey, I want to buy a Mega Millions ticket. Like, how oblivious do you have to be to, like, not be able to see that stuff? Like, when you're walking into a convenience store or a gas station or, like, even a grocery store, for crying out loud. Right. Because, like, they're so, like, right there noticeable. So, so he's like, oh, do I buy a lot? So I tell him, like, this. You could just buy them anywhere that they sell lottery tickets. And he's like, well, where do, you, where do you sell lottery tickets for? I'm like, okay, you literally can go to your nearby gas station. They have machines. You can either invest, you can either quote unquote invest in scratch offs and try your luck there for starters. Or if you just want to buy, spend like a couple dollars on a Mega Millions or Powerball ticket, go ahead and do that. So, he told us, so in our group chat today, he said, I asked him if he got his lottery ticket yet. And he said, I got my, and he said that he did not, but he was going to get it later tonight before the uh, Powerball closed. And the Powerball did close a half hour ago. So I have not heard back from him. Hopefully he did do it. My other friend sent a link in our group chat about how you can play the lottery for free on this one app and get credits or whatever. So my so my the other friend that knows nothing about the lottery obviously is doing that too just so he doesn't have to spend his own money. I'm like so I'm like you cheapskate motherfucker. Yeah. You you don't know where the lottery you don't know how to invest <laughs> how to play the lottery but yet you'll do this because you don't want to spend any of your money. It's it, some people I swear to God good people some people I swear it's just, it, it it kills me like you know you take one little joke like that and. Like they just throw it all out of proportion. Honestly, it, it really baffles me. You know what I mean? Uh, some some people just got some yeah, people some, got their own views. I guess some I people know. some people's heads just aren't like <laughs> they're not there all the time. Right. This well, is true. This is very world, true. This honest. is very true. I mean. Yeah, yeah, we don't no, have we our don't heads, have there our heads all the time. here all the time. I'll admit that. I mean, I work all day and, you know, uh, I'll see something and, like, I'm like, wait, this makes no sense. And then I realize that does actually make sense. But the thing is, though, is, like, you know, I'll admit it there. <laughs> I'll admit it. You know, you just admit it, too. We don't have our heads right. there all the time. <laughs> we, 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 but the thing is, though, is, like, how could you be that oblivious to not know, like, how the lottery works? I feel... <laughs> that's uh yeah that's uh oh that's uh, a special, special kind of not there, there. oh god oh my god i mean i i mean my you know my grandparents when i was young like when i was younger my grandparents uh like would give me scratch would give me like the scratch offs all the time like the loose change and lucky sevens because they're only a they're only a buck and they would let, they would like they wouldn't get yeah. them for me like they'd let me just like scratch them off for just for fun. And my grandparents like if they would win like you know five or ten dollars off of them they'd they'd split the money with me. And even if my brother did, they did the same thing with him. I mean like yeah like I said it's, not, it's just a little yeah. thing you know you just have a little fun you know spend a couple bucks you know see if you see if you win something. If you don't you don't who cares it's not. 
most ever most ever one of the scratch most I've ever like won was fifty. I mean, the thing is, though, is like I won that on on a two hour scratch off, so that's a forty eight. Yeah, you know, it's, we get ours for Christmas every year. Our grandma just buys a scratch off. I won two hundred twenty dollars. But we just give it right back to them because the whole family. We just take the whole family out to See, dinner. That, that, exactly, that, exactly. Wins. It's not a tax for dumb people. Come on, like that. That was that was just a comment there that did not that right. did not need to be said. But I don't know. I just found I just found that to be funny because like you know I kind of <laughs> wanted to mess with him. I'm not gonna lie. Like, Maybe he's a dumb <laughs> Maybe person. He's a dumb when person. He wins. Yeah. Hold on, guys. I won the lottery. Yeah. How much did you win? I won two dollars. So congratulations. Right. What do you do with nine hundred million dollars? Nine hundred million dollars? I, I mean, even if I won the pot like nine hundred million dollars from the mega millions or seven hundred and fifty million from the power from the Powerball. I mean, obviously, like you have to take all the taxes out of it, which is almost like it's like forty eight percent of the money goes to taxes. I actually I think it's actually fifty two percent. I knew it was I knew it was around fifty. I didn't know if it was more or less. Yeah, okay, yeah, I think, so I think it's, it's nine hundred what's this is what That's we what get, for, get living for living in New York, New York State. State. So fifty-two million. If, so fifty-two percent of nine hundred and four, nine hundred and fifty million dollars. You still have over four hundred million dollars. Four hundred million dollars there. It's around like four hundred and ten million dollars right there. So the thing. Can you look happily that way for the rest of your life? $410 million. I mean, the thing is, though, is like you're not going to be stupid and spend all of your money. I mean, I. Well, you would hope once so, you have money, you want to spend it. But the thing is, though, is I've gotten to the age where it's like, okay, like I'm not going to want to spend all of it. So, like, you know, I'm pretty content with what I have right now. I mean, right. yeah, I'm quitting my job if I win the lottery. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think I'm first thing I'm doing is yeah. paying all my student loans for sure, buying a house somewhere that I know I would want to live for the rest exactly. of my life. And, uh, Get a get a golf membership at Georgia, Augusta. Maybe beautiful. move down near Augusta. Get a golf, get a golf might membership. Well. Why not? I mean, the the thing, I mean, I would personally. I mean, I wouldn't mind doing that. But the thing is, though, is I wouldn't. I would be content with living in Rochester for a few years. I mean, I'd buy a. I mean, I'd buy a house, like not in the city, obviously. Like I'd probably buy a house in like. I'd yeah. buy a house in like Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, uh, Victor. You know, those are two decent places to live. To live. Yeah. To real, so I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. I mean, moving out of New York State would be that would be the end goal. But I'd live in Rochester for a few years. I'd say probably get like give it like five years here in New York State. I'd I'd get a membership to Oak Hill Country Club because Oak Hill Country Club is one of the top country clubs, not just in New York State but also in America. It, it held the U.S. Open like seven. It held years the ago. P. Yeah, held the PG. It's holding the PGA in twenty twenty three told the pga so it's a top country club i mean i wouldn't have to buy a new car because i already have a new i already have a new car like i just got my car two summers ago so i don't need to get a car but and the thing is though is i had enough money to i already had enough money to like pay off the car like so the car is practically paid for itself so maybe i would just pay off maybe i you know pay off and buy the house uh, pay off the insurance uh, payments on the car that need to be taken care of. I'd pay those off. I mean, pay off my student loans, like I said. And then after that, it's just being content uh, and being content. Obviously, like I obviously like I'd still have over 400 because like I'm not even touching them. I'm not even touching like, you know, 
um, I like a million dollar threshold right there because like it, a house here in Rochester, I would probably say goes around on average in Pittsburgh isn't even maybe not even five hundred thousand dollars. And that's a nice house. Like I wouldn't need to buy a car. I'll just buy the house. Obviously, like I need to get furniture and everything. The Oak Hill membership is probably around the just to get in to pay. The, you have to pay like a fee just to get in. I think it's like about two hundred thousand dollars. So that would probably that would be one of the more expensive things. But I can't imagine like living with so much money. Like what? Like I can't go anywhere because it's a pan because of like COVID travel regulations and restrictions and everything. So. Like it, it's just crazy. Like, what would I do with all that money in this current situation? I'd invest some of it up too, potentially. Yeah, you yeah you have to invest. Probably, I would say probably exactly. Oh, put into a fund uh, and put it into a couple funds. Obviously, you know, put invest in the stock market. Invest in right. invest yeah. in uh, a retirement fund too. Uh, I a couple IRAs. Yeah. Right, donate to the bar. Oh, of course, of course. I'd, I'd, oh, yeah, good amount of money would go into the barstool fund too. I'd tell, hey, Dave, I got some money for you. How about this? Right, maybe. Maybe, maybe yeah, Dave, Dave I've got money. Here you go. <laughs> just hire hey, Dave, me exactly. Money, yeah, yeah. Me. Here, but hey, I mean, if they can hire troops, I mean, they can hire anybody, in my opinion. Yeah, true. <laughs> but that the is thing true. is, though, is like I just wouldn't be able, like. To fathom that, I couldn't, I would not be able to fathom that, like, all that money. Uh, I mean, if I didn't live in New York State, it's like, if I lived in Florida, obviously, like, I would just, like, all the tax, like, I wouldn't, there would be pretty much no tax being taken out of it, like, obviously, like, because Florida has no state tax, so, so it would be, it'd be crazy tax, if, the, yeah. if I lived in Florida and that lottery down there, the Florida State Lottery, was $900 million on their Powerball or whatever their equivalent to the Mega Millions is. It would be crazy. But to just fathom that is right. insane. But um, uh, with that, that concludes today's episode of the Jerry's World podcast. Thank you for coming on to the show again. It's always a pleasure to have you on. I, you will be coming back to preview the Super Bowl in two weeks' time, obviously. Right. Might as well. I would like to point out this week I was three and one of my predictions when you I had went... a mere two and two. Yeah, we'll go with two and two. <laughs> I won. Wait, yeah, you picked because you picked the Ravens. And... I went one and three. No, you might have been. <laughs> I went one and three. That's you why went, I said we'll yeah. stick with two and two. Fuck off. <laughs> but. Oh well, at least you're humble and you told me. No, I, was, I won one I was, three. Was two I two. was. I told as soon. I texted you as soon as like the um. Uh, well, that's your. We only agreed. Green I, I, I texted you as soon as the um. Uh, as soon as the uh, as soon as the games ended, I'm like, yeah, fuck. I went one and three, but you won three and one, and like it, it is what it is. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes it, it happens. I mean, <laughs> hopefully I'm right this week, and hopefully you're. Hopefully you'll be one and one, and I'll be two and zero. Oh. I mean, if I, I mean, clearly I'm the more knowledgeable. <laughs> you're just better at predicting. <laughs> they may, may, maybe, maybe <laughs> secretly these teams listen to this podcast and they're like, no, we got to prove this Jerry, this Jerry's World podcast wrong. They're, yeah, they're like right, fuck they're Jerry's like, World. Jerry's they're like world. Nick Wright and Stephen A. Smith. They know they don't know anything. Oh, I can't stand those. We're exactly, exactly. Those Fuck them. 
I got, like I said, I, I, I got a text from a friend uh, and a fellow listener today um, about whether or not I would quote, jokingly send a cease and desist letter to Stephen A. Smith because his new show is called Stephen A's World. But I said to him, oh. I, I said to my friend, <laughs> I don't do relationship advice like Stephen A. does. And he's like, maybe you should. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm single. I'm 23 and single. Why would I have to... <laughs> If you knew Jeremy in high school, you would. If you knew Jake in high school, you would want him to give relationship advice. <laughs> Fuck off. But yeah, you wouldn't want me. No, I mean, like it would be funny, like because the thing is, though, is like I would just say, uh, I would give my advice as to what I would do. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, right. am I okay with being single? Of course, I'm not okay with being single. But the thing is, though, is there's a lot of people I know that. Complain to me about their relationships or have talked to me about their relationships. We both. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know several we people. Both that do have, that. We both know somebody <laughs> that has reached out to me about relationship issues they had with somebody else that will not, both of them will not be, na- will not be named here. Maybe you got relationship your calling. Maybe you'll be, uh, yeah, exactly. Relationship exactly. Guru, yeah. yeah. No, me and my me, I'm being, I'm content with being single, but I don't want to be single. But yes, I'll give relationship advice. So maybe on the next episode of the Jerry's World podcast, I will have people send messages to me, and I will respond to them and give relationship advice. I mean, if you, you are more than welcome to give advice as well, it would be, it would be hilarious to hear. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll leave that loser. Exactly. You don't need to be in a relationship. Exactly. You exactly. But on that note, like I said, that concludes today's episode of the Jerry's World podcast. Thank you again, my good friend, for coming on to the show next week. And you'll be coming on next week as well. And plenty more to discuss, obviously. Everybody try to be better than me. Try, try not to do what I would do. Stay safe out there. All right. All right.